In our new series, Debut Discussions, we're asking debut authors to tell us their story, not only the story in the novel they wrote, but the journey they took to hold that book in their hands. On today's episode, we welcome Jessica Saunders. Jess is a New York-based lawyer whose dream of writing fiction gave way for many years to writing legal briefs. She is a graduate of Cornell University and St. John University School of Law, where she was a St. Thomas More scholar. Her debut novel, Love Me, is out now. Welcome to Pop Fiction Women. Thank you for having me. I we're, love you girls. <laughs> oh, we, we are Yeah, we finally had to start because we were just chatting this whole time. But <laughs> right. Yes, we were chatting and chatting and I was telling you that I loved Love Me, that I read it twice. I read it once when we first got it and I blew through it. And then I realized that we were actually going to talk to you and I was like, "Oh, I got to go back through my dog ear pages." And instead, I read the whole book again which I haven't done since Annabelle Monahan, both of her books. So you are in very good company, um, but I loved it. And we will talk about it. But before we get to Love Me, we like to start with our debut authors by sort of going back in time because writers begin as readers. And so we would love to hear your story of you as a reader, which I know from your Instagram involves a book-themed bat mitzvah at age <laughs> 13. True. So yeah. clearly you have a reading You had already history. had the bug by then. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, well, it's funny because I I have two, two young daughters, um, and so I've been, you know, kind of hoping that they share my love of reading, and one of them absolutely does. And then my little one is still just sort of getting into it, which is, which is you know, interesting to watch because it, when I was little um, and first learning to read, I distinctly remember not being a good reader uh, in the mm. sense of like, you know, you're not supposed to know, but I knew I was in the lowest reading group and I oh. struggled a lot. And, um, and then so I, I really like, it was, it, it was a process for me. And then when I was in third grade, my teacher did this like classroom project where at the beginning of the year and it went through the whole year where every time you read a book, you could come in, you could bring the book and tell her a little bit about it. And then you got a picture, like a cutout of an elephant (laughs) and like, it was like tail and you know, whatever trunk. And then they would like make a pattern around the room. And I don't know if it was something in the competition, but it really motivated me. So when I was in third grade, it just, I just became kind of like that explosive childhood reader and I you know my elephants circled the room you know and I was, I was the grand winner and that was really the start I think for me getting lost in in reading so yes mm. you, you know from my Instagram I am a lifelong lover of books and I just I really I really do choose to read over you know a lot of other things like yeah. I, you know, watching TV or whatever. Like I'm excited when my husband is out for dinner because I can read and not yeah. you know watch yes, the show be interrupted. I yes, yeah. I you had mentioned on Instagram a couple of the books that you really loved as a young reader, and one of them I had never even heard of. The girl on the milk carton. I bought it oh immediately. I can't wait to read it. <laughs> I didn't know that one either, Corinne. I, no. I was oh, with you. The face on the milk carton, oh, okay. and I remember it. It's about this girl who's at lunch in the cafeteria, and there's like, and it's when like you would get little. I guess they still do little cartons of milk, but yeah. at the time mm-hmm. they would put pictures. If you remember from when we were kids, they put pictures of missing yes. children on milk cartons, and yeah. so she's in the cafeteria and she looks at this picture. 
And she's like, that's me. So, so the whole story, I mean, I don't, I haven't read it in what, 30 years, but it's about (laughs) more. And it's about this girl who like figures out that she was kidnapped. I mean, it's wild. That is and, so fascinating. You know, I literally bought it immediately. You, know. I, I, you already, did? Oh, I, uh, that's exciting. Yes. Well, let me know. Um, oh, yeah. Let me know if I should I share will. it with my, with my 11-year-old. Probably not, but I'm excited to read it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the stuff we used to read when we were young, I would never give to my kids now. There's just I so know. much more. They have so much more uh, yeah. to, to choose from than we did. Yes, so. that's true. That's yeah. true. Okay, well, I love that your reader story already has an element of uh, triumph in it. Um, And and I want to now switch to your writer story because we know from your bio, as I said, you had a a lifelong dream of writing fiction, but that dream gave way to writing legal briefs, which, by the way, is just a great line. I know I'm sure you wrote that. But every (laughs) writer knows that a good story begins with an inciting incident and the thing that shakes up the status quo. You're going about your life with this dream in the back of your mind, and one day you just know, I can't leave it there anymore. And we know a little bit about yours from your bio as well, and it's that story is as devastating as it clearly was powerful. What happened to make you say, this is it, this is when I start writing that book? Yeah, I mean, it certainly was always there. I always loved to write, um, but... It was something I would sort of casually mention. And I did coming up, you know, in college, I would write, I wrote a column for the paper, um, for the Cornell paper, um, Cornell Daily Sun. And I just would take some creative writing classes, but it was really just back, you know, it was just not part of my life. It couldn't be, you know, as you guys know, being a lawyer, raising kids, it just wasn't possible. It's consuming. And then when I was 40, um, yeah, so then when I, when I turned 40, I lost one of my dearest friends who was just like the most positive person you can ever imagine. Um, she was just so like strong and went after everything that she wanted to. Um, and we have a large friend group from college and like, we all sort of jumped into this, like immediately after she, uh, died, we, we jumped into this, like, what would Suze do? Like, Mm. what, what would she do with, you know? And so, you know, it was funny, like some of my friends, it was really small things, but you know, she'd be like the kind of person that would like chat up, you know, the delivery guy. And like, we just all sort of had this, you know, epiphany that we needed to live a little bit more like her. Mm -hmm. And so for me, you know, I watched her, um, she used to, she's a lawyer also, Suzanne, and, but she used to write music and play the guitar. She would go to open mic nights, like, like this, like, like who does that, you know, like, and she did it and it was amazing. And I was like, I have, and she always loved my writing and encouraged me. So I was like, I can't wait anymore. I, I have to do this. So pretty soon after she passed, I signed up for a writing class and I was like, I'm going for it. And I did. And it's pretty amazing. And I feel her with me because it, you know, it really, I know how she'd be like the biggest cheerleader for me. So it's, it's really, it's really special for me to have followed through in this way as sort of an honor to her memory and, and, and feeling her encouragement. Oh, oh, I love that. I love that. What would Suze do? Yes. Oh. And now here it is. You're now 
Love Me is in your hands. It's born. You're promoting it with us. So tell this is a good time to tell our listeners a little bit uh, about what Love Me is about, the elevator pitch for this book. Sure. Um, so Love Me is about a married mom and lawyer, Rachel Miller, whose life is basically turned upside down when pictures of her and her high school boyfriend who is now the very famous and very handsome movie star Jack Bellow, are published in the Daily Mail. Such a great premise. Yes, (laughs) such a great premise. We love that. Right. (laughs) has all the things I love. Um, So I want to stay with it and, and talk about genre and how much you thought about it before or during the writing process. Um, your book is in the contemporary romance genre. We've had discussions, Corinne and I, you know, like genre gets a little, how you box things. I know you need yeah. these things. Publishers need to market things a certain way. So you are in the contemporary romance genre, but... To me, Love Me doesn't exactly follow the typical conventions of that happily ever after genre. It pushes them a bit, which I love. Um, Your protagonist, Rachel, like you said, she's middle-aged, married mom who's questioning her marriage and what she wants and has is reuniting with her superstar ex, as you said. So it's complicated, you know? Um, and people, I think... Um, hold women or mothers to very unreasonable standards in terms of what's allowed or acceptable. And you're exploring all of that, which, which I love. But did you know you wanted to write in this genre or did you just tell the story you wanted to tell? And um, did you get any pushback at any point in the process um, to sort of conform more traditionally to the genre? That's a good question. I mean, it is true. I think this idea that every book has to sort of fall into a certain genre box, and that makes sense. It's a marketing um, tool, but I never set out certainly to write a romance. And and actually, you know, the books that I genuinely gravitate towards are usually in the literary fiction category. But I, I would never have written a book like that. I mean, they are, you know, it's like a labor of love and, and words and, and I have no training and um, as a writer and I just, I'm, but those, you know, I de- definitely gravitate towards like those more like saga, longer, you know, yeah, in, yeah. intense mm-hmm. books. Um, so no, I definitely wanted to stay in the contemporary fiction space, but I didn't realize because I don't read and I now do, of course, um, because I want to get to know, you know, my my contemporaries, my peers. Um, but I, I didn't appreciate as I was writing this, and I wasn't ever really thinking about the sales at all or the, like the marketing component as I was writing. I was writing to write um, for sure, but um, I, I didn't appreciate that there is some you know, formula, I think, that romance books have to follow and these, uh, this idea of tropes uh, that I frankly knew nothing about, never had even heard of them until I kind of got on bookstagram and understood like, this is a big thing. And, <laughs> and it's an awesome thing because I think people read for comfort and entertainment and, and there's, and, and people like different, um, people like different genres better. They like different tropes better. Like some people are obsessed with second chance romance and some people hate it. And it's as simple as that. And, um, and so I really like that idea, but it wasn't at all something that I uh, set out to do. 
I agree with you, Kate, that mm-hmm. it is possible that someone who is a really traditional romance reader may struggle with, you know, like with a book that that is a little bit more about self-discovery and yeah, a little yeah. bit less about a romantic relationship. I'm hopeful that people will enjoy it, of course. Mm-hmm. Um but that is a fair statement. I think it just doesn't fit squarely in that romance peg. Yeah, which See, is what we love about it. That, that self-discovery element of it is is what draws us to it. Yeah, Right, and those traditionalists need to listen to what I've said on here a million times, a la Corinne, which is these mm-hmm. one that got away stories, the one is you, is the person. Mm-hmm. So there's always the journey of self-discovery, I think. I am a second chance romance there diehard. Should be. Yeah. But to yeah. me, yeah, that's what they're about. They're that. about you rediscovering yourself. Yeah, and that other person who maybe knew you then or you had this relationship in the past may be the catalyst for that. But you are really on the journey with you. And so I am a huge fan of the one that got away or second chance, first love, Um, And so I love that part of your novel, but I feel like reconnecting with Jack has Rachel, as as you're pointing out, examining who she was before she put all these labels on herself of mother and lawyer and wife. And there are a couple of scenes that I really love where this struggle uh, and this, these realizations for her really jump out. So why did you want to explore this theme though? Like you, you said you didn't set out necessarily to write in the genre, but clearly this Something about this um, <laughs> trope, whether you knew it or yeah. not, was pulling to you. So I'd love to hear that and whether it is something you're interested in and then maybe any particular scenes that were really fun for you to write. Sure. I mean, definitely, you know, like, the you know, the three of us, we're, we're moms, we, we, you know, have professions. And I haven't read too many books, I think, um, that look at what it's like to be in your 40s and sort of be dealing with your young kids, you know, and dealing with your profession and dealing with your parents. And like, there's a lot to it. And I think for us and for a woman, you get a little bit lost, right? Like, who who are you if not, you know, a mom or, you know, in a career or, or raising your family and, and making sure everything gets done. And even though I, I have a, I'm lucky. I, I really have a nice, wonderful marriage, but I think that, you know, it's challenging for all of us. And so I really, you know, wanted to explore that. Um, it, it called out to me, um, for sure. But there was also something really exciting to me about, the celebrity element yes. um, mm-hmm. because I just like love that. And yeah. mm-hmm. I mean, it's so much fun and it was so much fun to write. And I have no personal knowledge of what it's like to be a celebrity <laughs> or celebrity adjacent, but I just like, I'm like, I could figure this out. It is so fun. Yeah. So for me, that was like a really, you know, that was like an easy sort of exciting hook. Um, and You know, I think also just this idea of like, you kind of think when you're in that first love, whether it's in high school or college or in your 20s or whatever, like, that's your guy or that's your girl. And so 
it is interesting. Like it generally does not happen that way. Right. So, Mm -hmm. but you are so enmeshed in that relationship, however, you know, long it lasted or deep it went. So I don't know. I think second chance is really interesting because Mm -hmm. you just don't know. There's an interest, I think, in all of us in, in sort of exploring who we were when that relationship occurred and was like the primary focus of our lives. Yeah. So I'm dying to know then as you're talking, like when you sat down and you're like, I'm going to write this novel, what element did come to you first? Did you know it was this lawyer, mother, or was it the celebrity, the hook, the romance? Tell me like what came to you first. So, you know, I'm like an ideas girl, which is good and bad because I have like (laughs) notes and notes and notes of ideas of books I want to write. And then, you know, for years, it's like, well, what am I going to do? You know, what's going to be the focus? <laughs> so this is one that really jumped out at me and stuck with me because it's it's kind of funny. So my sister-in-law's former spouse <laughs> dated a very famous celebrity when he was in high school. And I guess, I don't know why I like asked her, I'm like, did you ever think of like, like, you know, there's some high school paraphernalia. I'm like, do you ever think of like, or did he ever think of selling that? You know, you could probably make a ton of money. Mm -hmm. And she was like, oh my God, he would die. Like that would never, (laughs) we would never do that. That would be awful. And, um, and I was like, ooh, (laughs) there's something. But somebody might. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And and I would say that is absolutely the spark there's a few other pieces to that where she also tells this great story about when she found out so the other I think other piece of the inspiration for me is she tells this story about how they were out to dinner once and I don't think this and I got to go back and read my own book I don't think this Mm -hmm. made it in because I think it ended up on the cutting room floor but I totally like just stole this little anecdote they were at dinner one night and Bruce Springsteen was there and she was like gawking because of course one gawks and mm-hmm. he was like don't do that because I used to date someone who's a celebrity and they would be really like not happy you know if they were approached like lo- like yeah. looked at this way and that's how she found mm-hmm. out and they must have been together for like a year oh so my i mean like all of a sudden it reframes like what you you know, think about, and I mean, it's so ridiculous, this obsession we all have with celebrity culture, but as it happens in the book, Rachel's husband, Dan, has a fixation on this relationship that she had back in high school. And it's so, that really, I think, was a spark for me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a good one. (laughs) I don't have anything good, that good in my life. But you you understand it for Dan. I mean, you know, Dan Dan does a lot of things in here that maybe are questionable, but um, clearly. But being having your wife's ex be the famous movie star, it's tough. Yeah, I it's mean, tough. I you know, it's tough. So yeah, yeah. So definitely, Jess. I want to go back to. I know you listened to our series about lawyers turning to writers and how you kind of bridge that gap and make that transformation. You already said you're not kind of classically trained in writing, although I'd argue that that anybody who gets to the lawyer stage, you've done a lot of work that 
is necessary to be a good writer. But how did you bridge that gap between the law and writing? Did you take, you already mentioned a class. Did you read on any, read craft books that really helped you or go on any retreats? Uh, what, What helped you bridge that gap to feel like, okay, I'm really a writer here? I think first for me and and probably a lot of people, as a reader, you are naturally going to be able to understand story and plot, you know, and, and I do read so much that... I wasn't necessarily so concerned about my ability and, and writing. And unfortunately, I mean, as a lawyer, as I was a litigator, yeah. I'm, I'm still a litigator and um, you just write so much. So I kind of had that faith in myself that I could, that I could write, that I could tell a story, but I signed up for Gotham writers workshop has this great first draft novel writing class. And um, the beauty of it is it's not, um, it's not a critique class. The goal is truly just to write the first draft Generate. of your novels. Yeah. So the summer of 21 every week, and I would not do anything other than that class. I, you know, if ever, if plans came up, I always said no. I really set those boundaries. So, you know, I would sit in on that class and there was, most of it was really learning craft, but also sharing, you know, your experience of writing that week. And I think too that I would listen to other people say, you know, I wrote a couple hundred words this week or whatever. And for me, I found, well, what, I'm writing thousands of words a week. And I think it's the discipline of being a lawyer that mm-hmm. I just work it in, you know. I think you have that natural kind of like sense of a deadline or sense of like, I've got to squeeze this in. And I think very productive people. Um, or very busy people can be more productive um, or, or, you know, naturally more productive. So that was where my, you know, sort of focus went. And the class was terrific. I, I highly recommend it because at the end of it, I had, you know, the beginnings of a really messy but solid first draft. Um, mm-hmm. So I was very structured in that way. And then, you know, craft books I've been buying them for years and I'll flip through them and sometimes read them sometimes not um but I I buy them because I always wanted to do this you know so I've bought them over the years um probably for the last like 20 years I've accumulated like a large stack um but the best book for me was you know when you mentioned it earlier like before and after the book deal by Courtney Mound, because that's not a craft book, but it explained the business, which was something I knew nothing about that I was really interested in. And there's not much out there. Hers is one of the only books that helps you get any sort of insight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I'm sure that's true. Yeah. Um, but hers is great. So for any aspiring authors, it's definitely a worthwhile read. Agreed. So did the Gotham Writers um, class, it sounds like it didn't require or um, anyone in it to write a certain number of words per day. Did you set your own goal? I mean, you sounded like you were pretty, you were pretty prolific. <laughs> productive. But. Yeah, I mean, you're encouraged in the class to, to set some goals, you know, whether you're gonna, and it was almost like brackets, like, can you hit, you know, 500 words or thousand words in a week or 3000 words or whatever it was, or you could really self regulate um and that was part of the check-in the check-in wasn't wasn't like a typical you know critique type class where you're like here's what I wrote this week it was simply this is the successes I had this week here's where I got stuck 
Um, and then we learned a little bit more in depth about actually actual, you know, practice and, and craft of writing. So, so yeah. So for me, I, um, I really, first of all, I love, love writing and I always have, and I always wrote in a different area. I never wrote fiction really, um, in any meaningful way, but if I set aside time, you know, I just wrote and I, and I was able to get out a lot of words and I also found, and I think this is important for all people who are starting out. Like I, you know, they say, don't go back. You know, I think a lot of people who are writing get so stuck in the editing of their words. And I found that really freeing. Someone saying to me, the point of this is not to edit as you go. Mm -hmm. The point is just to get to a draft. And so that's what I did. And I just, it allowed me that freedom to just write, write, write. And so, you know, I thought it was a great class. I mean, there are many other classes I'm sure that are similar, but for me, it really got me focused and then really set me on the path to getting it done. I love that. It was great. So you get it done, but then we all know the next part of the process is not very fun, oftentimes, um, the querying, an agent. So tell us, um, yeah. yeah, walk us through that for you and how you got sure. your agent. So, you know, it's funny. I mean, I, I a theme here is that I just knew nothing about, you know, <laughs> I'm a big reader, but I had no idea how books are like made and sent out into the world. And I knew nothing about how to secure an agent. So like the good student <laughs> and lawyer I am, I did a ton of research, research. and um, I found so that Part of it was like, you know, just reading articles online, like how to find an agent, Um, you know, and if you Google that, like there are many and many resources. And um, I'd also heard about a book. um, I think the author, it's Jeff Herman's Guide to like Publishing. And um, I I actually pulled it so I didn't forget. (laughs) Yep. Jeff Herman's. So he, um, and he breaks it down into like agents in different genres and then publishers like that publish different books. And so I studied that and I like highly, you know, I tagged all these pages and then they tell you also, um, you know, look at the books that are comps and see who represents those authors. So I did that as well. Um, and then I studied how to write a query letter. And I was like, this is, you know, it's 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 part of business, right? So like for for someone who's not who's really a creative type, I think it's probably difficult. But for me, I'm very much, you know, I'm like, I learned, you know, you 
like go back to the basics of laws yes. like Iraq, mm-hmm. you know, yes. uh-huh. exactly. That's what it is. You know? Oh my God. And yes. get to the point, you know, they have and to be short. And when you write a brief, you got a preliminary statement. You better get to the point right away. Exactly. What is the story you're telling? So exactly. Yeah. So for Love me, that. it was, it was really like, that's where, you know, my, my training kind of comes into place. Like I was able to really put in that, um, you know, that, that research, uh, mind and get, and get to it. So I did that. And, um, and then I also, which I think everybody should do is I cast a wide net and I asked friends and family and I said, Hey, does anybody know a literary agent? Because once you read about securing an agent, you realize that they get hundreds of emails. I don't know, a day. I mean, they're just, so it's really, really hard to get someone to open your email. And you often don't even hear back, unfortunately. Like, you know, you're not, it's not necessarily like, thank you, but this isn't the right fit for me. I think a lot of times, you know, agents, they don't have a, have time. They're busy people. So, um, I also did that and I recommend doing that too. You never know. And so what I did was um, I got some names and, and, and of people directly that I had a personal or, you know, some kind of personal connection to. And I think that helped me get a few people to open up my emails. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, I was, I will say, very lucky in that I found my agent. I didn't have a difficult um you know, I did all the legwork in advance so that when I yeah. pitched my book, I did find um, my agent very quickly. And she is just a dream partner for me. She's fabulous. Her name is Elizabeth Bewley. She's at Sterling Laura Literistic. And I just mm-hmm. really, really feel grateful to have her um, in my corner. So that, that was that was great. Yeah. That, Love that's the diligence. Um, very loyal. Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> and also... Yeah. Uh, yeah, casting that net and you knew that that was going to be just something that would get you get them to open your email. That is yeah, a, like a big part of the challenge. A hundred percent. Okay, so now you have the book, you have your agent, you go on submission. The another torturous ring of yes. hell that we are uh, expected to go through to get our book in our hands. Tell us yeah. about that. So as fabulous and seamless a process was for me of getting an agent, um, going on submission was tough. I was completely unaware of how challenging it is to to sell your book. You know, you read a lot online, like it's about how difficult it is to get an agent. And I'm, I know that that is true. But once you get an agent, you sort of think, Oh, you're going to sell your book. And I also realized that, you know, so many people have so many books that are in the drawer, you know, and this was my first book. And I really put a lot of time and effort as all authors do into writing it, but, you know, writing it while I had my job and not knowing if I was going to have it in me to do it again. And now, of course, I hope to, but (laughs) at the time, you know, and so we did get I got a lot of rejection. And so part of the reason I think is because, you know, so much of the writing happens in the editing process, right? Like, and you hear that, but I didn't know. I mean, again, not having that 
you know, MFA or really any people in this world, I don't think at the time I appreciated it. I was happy with my story. I liked the way it flowed. I didn't have the eye necessarily to understand that it needed an edit. Um, So I spent, so we ended up taking a pause. I did a really solid edit. And then, you know, when we went back out, I was very lucky um, to sell it to Union Square and Company. So I was, I was very, very, very happy. Yeah, that's very smart that you knew this was the time to take the pause and look at it again, because other people might have just cast more net and, you know, you wouldn't have gotten the book that you have here. Yeah, Yeah, I I think so. I think also it's interesting too, like when you go out on submission, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners don't don't know this process, you know, you're targeting, your agent is targeting a particular editor um, who who publishes books similar to yours with similar themes. And I didn't get a single person who said this book is, you know, terrible or I don't like, you know, X character. It was not that. It was I liked the book, but I'm not going to, I don't love it. And so, you know, what do you do with that? It's really hard. (sighs) Yeah. And so I had to figure out how do I get people to love my book, right. you know, how to love me, you know, yeah. like, come on. <laughs> I mean, you put it in the title. Come on. Yeah, yeah. seriously. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, so this, the road is is long and challenging. And now you have this book, we've got it in our hands. So is there any, you know, lesson you think the big lesson you learned now as you sit here at publication time or a piece of advice that you thought, oh, now... That was that was very wise. Any anything like that? There's so much, you know, because <laughs> this first time out, you know, it's just such a huge learning experience. Yeah. And um, I think obviously I would have taken a little more time in the beginning to do, you know, to really check my work and make sure it was the best, you know, it could be before it went out to these, you know, really high hitting editors. But, you know, my agent and I both loved the story. So, you know, it wasn't as if she thought it wouldn't sell, but I think it really is important. And, you know, to, to do the beta readers, to get, you know, to get the feedback and to just accept, you know, constructive criticism and make that, you know, the effort to put your best foot forward when you're going out, not, you know, first to the agent or then on submission. So that was a big learning for me. I think the other big learning um, and, you know, a a bit of a regret, I'd say, and is there is so much time between Mm. writing your book, you know, from selling your book, I'll say, to actually publishing. And there is a lot of quiet lag time. You know, you're, you're, there's just so much that goes into it behind the scenes. And Corinne and I have talked about Uh, it. I don't know. Jess, if you're going to say you should be writing, I'm not even going to listen to you because (laughs) you call it quiet time and I'm calling it anxiety filled time. (laughs) Oh, oh, I see this. I didn't do anything. I can't. I have spent the last year and a half thinking about this book and doing nothing other than jotting down ideas back to my old notes app in the iPhone. So yes, yes, I'm saying it, Corinne, it is impossible to do. I think it is. But if I could do it, I would say do it. You know, it's such a good opportunity. This is your advice that you yourself can't follow. Yes. Yes. And and I got to tell you, I write another book. I don't know. (laughs) I knew this before I sold my book, I've been trying to get published for many, many years. So I yeah. knew this and I was 
absolutely positively going to be one of those people that got book two written before book one came out? No, it is not happening because I am so like just thinking about the book, thinking about how it's going to do, how I'm going to position it, what I'm going to talk about, what are my talking points, what are all of these things. I don't know. It's when I find that person who does that, I'll I'll circle back to you on that. Because <laughs> I think a lot, I think people do it, but I think, you know, if it's impossible and maybe it's because they're under contract or something or. Well, I'm under contract. Oh, wait, but Corinne's oh, under contract. I was just going to say the whole contractual friend, obligation part might. It's not working. It's not working. It's hard. You'll get it, it done. It's so hard. Yeah. I know it will, but it, it is, is it much is harder than I ever anticipated. Yeah. I didn't know how much mental space and also creativity is a lot of mental space. So when my mental space is taken up by how am I going to position this book? How am I going to talk about it? Whose hands does it need to get into? I'm thinking about all that stuff. It's thwarting my creativity and I'm going to have to set it aside at some point, but it hasn't happened yet. So we'll see. But to your first piece of advice, I also think that is so important for people to hear because Everyone knows publishing is a very long road and it takes a long time. And so you kind of always just want to get started, get it out there, do this. Yes. But um, it, it, it really it, – I think that pause comes somewhere along the line. Whether you choose it or like it happened for you, it was in between submissions uh, to editors. I think the pause happens anywhere. you got to be ready for it. Uh, might as well do it on your own time too. It's a good, yeah. a good piece of advice. Thank you. So what are your hopes for this book and also for your career as a writer? Yeah, I mean, any debut novelist, I think, would say, I want my book to break out. You know, I want people (laughs) to buy it and read it and enjoy it. You know, I think I think that would be incredible and set me on a good path. So but, you know, that's my hope. But there are so many fabulous books out there, and so I think it's tough. And the more I've become friendly with other authors and gotten to know people, I've realized that, you know, no matter what happens, there's just very little you can control. Um, mm-hmm. yes. so, so I certainly hope that the book resonates with people, that they buy the book um, and tell their friends to buy the book. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that that's definitely my dream. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and I think because this is something that I love doing so much. I just love the act of writing and, and I want to get to do it again. And And so I hope that this is the start of my career as an author and I'm still working in my day job which is fine you know it doesn't you know it's what we've you know been doing you know for years where I'm I'm an attorney (laughs) I'm not ready to give it up but I'm hoping that you know one day this can become you know my primary um primary job for sure um Mm -hmm. because it's just you know it's a passion and it's exciting and fun and um, it's great connecting with people creatively, and and so that's definitely the hope. Yeah. Oh, well, I love that. <laughs> yeah, and I love that because, like you said, there are a lot of uh, challenges in the road, but it is a joyful, exciting process. Also, it just gets yeah. it sometimes it gets buried under that. So I love that you brought that out. Thank you. Yeah. Well, it's true because at the moment, I mean, you know, I'm a little like it's it's happening very soon. And I think that for a new author, 
and probably, I imagine, for repeat authors, there is a lot of, of stress and anxiety associated oh with watching yeah. a book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, and a lot of time in connecting with people and, and trying to get your book in the right people's hands and hoping mm-hmm. that what you're doing is enough, hoping that what your publisher is doing to market your book is enough. So it is a very difficult process, um, unfortunately. And so... I'm trying, you know, <laughs> to remind myself. Yeah. Yeah. How important it is to pursue what you love. And I loved yeah. doing it. And I right. don't want this to, you know, the, the stress of this, the excitement and yeah. the stress, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, to sort of, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm to so overshadow. lucky and fortunate and happy to be in this position, but it is hard too. So, you know, I want to remember, I want to remember why I did it in the first place yeah. for sure. Yes. Mm-hmm. I love. love oh, we mm-hmm. just keep saying love when the love <laughs> <Yeah>. me. <laughs> so I know your sign, and I know from your sign that you are not that into astrology, Jess. And it's okay. No, it's okay. Right. Um, but you know, we do ask all our authors their sign. And your sign, we could just get Corinne can just guess by me telling you she's not into astrology. We know right. what sign that is. Yeah. A Taurus. A Taurus. Yeah. Yeah. But otherwise, there's got to be a lot of other stuff going on in your chart that I'm seeing because I do not read Taurus like all the time. Other than, Kate, as you said, that fact. Taurus, very unlikely to believe. It's not practical. Astrology is not practical. And (laughs) Tauruses are very practical, very Mm -hmm. like logic. Well, I'm on the cusp. I don't know if that means anything to you. Probably it does. Like, it does. Um, my birthday is on yes. the cusp of Aries and Taurus. That is the most I know about that. Astrology. That seems. I I can I feel like there's I got it in your chart. I'm sure I would see that. Yeah. Well, how I'm that how that manifests. For, uh, reading. <laughs> yeah, we just we just need you know your date of birth. We can get a lot of information based on <laughs> yeah, that yeah. because you might present yeah. as a different way. Your insides, your yep, feelings, right. be a different sign. All these ideas sounds very Aries, actually. You want to, you got a lot of ideas to start on. So there's more going on there. There's more going on there. But your Taurus is going, eh. I I have no practical use for that astrology crap. I love it. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. So great. (laughs) But I love that Um, you guys are enjoying that. (laughs) This is just random. As you were just talking, you two are both going to be debut authors. Of course, you both want to, like you were saying, I'm sure, to get people to read your book and to have your book in their hands. If you guys were on like the subway or an airplane or whatever, and you saw someone with your book, either one of you, would you? Yes, of course you would die and it would be amazing. But would you go up to them? And would you say, I wrote that book? I would. <laughs> I would too. I didn't write a book, but I would. Would you? Would you, Corinne? I would. I think I, I, think I would think about it, but I don't know if I would go oh, through dude. with it. I don't know. Such a good question, too. Oh, It's a yeah, great Karen, question. So would I you? Think, I think I would just anticipate the awkwardness. Like, and so I, I would knew. stop me. I don't know that it would be awkward though. Well, I guess if they like were like, "Oh, this book sucks," but yeah, um, I, they're not going to though. They, I think most. But why I would, read books would, that I don't think are good. Most and if the author are... came up to you, would you be like, uh, "Oh, if I you would were never debut say author, it." Right. That's no, what I'm no. saying. I don't think it would be awkward because I think people would just be like, "Oh my god, that's crazy!" And yeah. if they didn't like it or whatever. But I will I, say um, the closest I've had an experience that came 
not close, but kind of close. I'll explain. I, I was on a subway and someone was reading Seven Days in June by Tia Williams. Mm-hmm. And I actually know Tia's sister. Now we know Tia from interviewing her. And I thought, I'm like, I should go up to him. And I was like, no, no, I'm not going to do that. Well, right, because you're not Tia. I mean, <laughs> But that seems less lower stakes. I would think that True. I'd be more likely to do that personally. True. Yeah, but it'd be, it'd be, well, so I am someone because I, you know, just love books. So if I see someone reading yeah. a book on the beach or wherever, I yeah. o- almost Me too. always go up Me to them. Me too. Like, oh, okay. See, I don't. I Me book. too. Me you too. like that book, you should read that book. Yes. I can't That's help me. myself. So there is zero chance that it that if it was yours, if I see someone reading my book, I go up to them. I maybe I keep a sharpie in my bag. Yes, <laughs> I'm like here we yes. are. Oh, Let whatever. me sign that for you. Oh my god, yeah, you do what I you guess can. that's the difference, Jess. Like if you're that person, which sounds like yes. you are, that would go up no matter what. And now I'll go up to people. And if I've interviewed, so like with Tia, because of the yeah. podcast, I would say, then I'll plug the podcast because then I'll right. be like, oh, also, you know, we've actually interviewed this yeah. author and you should listen to our podcast. And, totally. but, but really it starts with the, oh, if they're reading a book that, you know, that I love and yeah, I'll yeah. go right up to someone. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, all right. And that just may be the know, extrovert introvert line. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. But I think too, like, and you are fortunate you have the podcast, so you are connecting with other authors. But the other thing, you know, as a debut author, you are in this unique position where, you know, for me, you know, authors are my celebrities, right? Yeah. So, but I ha- I want to connect to them. And Kate, you mentioned Annabelle Monahan earlier. Mm-hmm. I adore her. Um, mm-hmm. I adore her books. But I reached out to her, you know, quite a while ago and was like, I love your books and I'd love to sit down and chat with you. And she did. She's such a wonderful, warm oh, person. Yeah. Um, and and now she's my friend. I mean, yeah, and she so read great. my book and her mm-hmm. blurb is on the cover and it's <gasps> an unbelievable feeling. Yeah. Um, and I've had similar experiences with a few other fantastic authors and, and people who are now my yeah. friends. So. Yeah. You're going to have to, you just, it's, it's really, it's an unbelievably wonderful community of people, authors. Mm -hmm. And I think people who love to read are wonderful people too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that is an interesting line because I do, I absolutely go up to authors all the time who don't, and I'm like, oh my God, I read your book. I love your book. And it happens to me all the time that I just randomly go up to people at conferences but even at like I was at a bookstore and a local bookstore and a local author was a big book and I went right up to him I was like blushing I mean it was yeah Yeah. so I will do it to the writer but not to the other readers yeah it's funny Mm -hmm. I think the reader would love to hear from you yeah yeah no I it's just something in my head I guess it's because I think of them the the authors as the rock stars. Okay, but so tell us about some of these. What are you loving? Are you reading anything that you are loving these days? Yeah. Like books, reading, movies, TV oh. shows. What's what are you obsessing over? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I I just um, I'm. I, it's funny. I. I I read so much and I usually have to have my Kindle nearby to like mm-hmm. remember like the name of the books that I've read. Mm-hmm. Um, I just finished The Last Love Note, which is Zibby's recent, her December release, which I thought was terrific. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a book about yeah. a grieving widow mm-hmm. um, finding love again. So that was that was great. Um, I also read The Berry Pickers, which was 
fantastic about an indigenous family and a little girl who goes missing in their family and sort of this lifelong mystery as to what happened to the little girl. And it, it was mm-hmm. a great, great pick. Oh, um, wow. Great read. Yeah. And then, you know, we're, we, I love Fargo and the new season is, is airing right now. Oh. So we're watching that. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I also like my secret love is I'm a bachelor girl. And ah, so, the reality. I, the golden. Yeah. Were you watching the golden? The golden. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. I, I haven't missed a season. Like I, I once, <laughs> I must have had some time on my hands. I once went on Wikipedia to like go through all the seasons and like, it was like, what have I not seen? And I think I've seen like all but like six seasons and there's been like, what, like a thousand. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. I wow. just like love the show, um, which is people find surprising about me, but I do. I'm, I'm, I'm addicted. I love that. Um, that's survivor for me. I, it's something yeah. I don't talk about a lot, but I've watched and I've missed uh, quite a few, but when there are like a thousand missing, you know, 10 is not right. that big of a deal, but yeah, that's, that's it for us. But they too. really hit it out of the park with this golden one because oh. yes. I, I mean, they, I mean, I was even interested and I have not watched The Bachelor since like the first few seasons. Yes. And I would legit click on the headlines and I kind of knew who the finalists were. That show is like, I'm not even watching the show. And I was like, oh, he went with that one. Hmm. You know, yeah. so it's, it, it was they, great. They got you. you know what was, what was so nice about it. Um, it, what was so different about it is that it was really showed these women, these older women, having these mm. amazing friendships and respect. Yeah, one that's what everyone said. And it was, it was really. I, I actually, it's funny, right? Because all of a sudden you realize, oh wait, and I, I'm connecting and relating more to these women in their seventies than these girls in their twenties who, who are really just setting out. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, these people have had life experiences. It really was, mm-hmm. it was a great cultural moment, I think, but it yeah. also just highlighted women can be champions of one another. And, yeah. and I, I really thought it was so great. Yeah. Well, I, I think looking for love in your twenties versus looking for love in your fifties, sixties, seventies, their scarcity mindset is gone. You know, you've probably had love in many forms and you're like, you're just wanting the right one instead of just anyone to like, you know, grab your musical chair seat and and stop, right? (laughs) It's true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's true. You know yourself better. You know what you want. Yeah. Um, And I think it's true, like, of the main character in my novel in her 40s. You know, she's able to sort of take stock of who she is as a person because there is a shift I think as you get as you as you reach a certain age and it's funny because of course I still feel like I'm in you know my 20s or 30s but you know I'm 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 not who I was then Um, none of us are so Mm -hmm. I think I think it's kind of nice to to explore that for sure yes yeah love me in the golden bachelor yes (laughs) oh my gosh just tell people where they can find you so I am mostly on Instagram. That is where I spend my time at Jessica Saunders Books. And then I can also be, I have a Facebook page also at Jessica Saunders Books. And on TikTok, I'm at Jessica Saunders Books. So I really oh. carried it up. And my oh, website, jessicasaundersbooks.com. Okay. So <laughs> that's, that's it. And I have some exciting events coming up and things. So um and podcasts like this one, which I've been so excited about. So I'm oh. so grateful to you guys for reading my book and, and welcoming me. Well, well we thank are, you. 
so happy to have you and um, good luck with everything. This is just the start for you, I know, for big things.